recording there. That looks good. Okay. We got this. We can always do like a couple different backup recordings just in case. So, all right, Amanda, I think we're good to go. Thank you for being here. How's it going? Yeah, really good. Thank you so much for having me. It's for, great to uh, meet you face to face. Well, yeah, this is always kind of weird that these virtual conversations and, you know, we send this conversations out to the world for everyone to see or hear, I guess, or well, both. And it's still kind of, I mean, I've said this before on here, but it still kind of blows my mind that I'm having this conversation with a complete stranger that I've only exchanged maybe a few emails with <laughs> and, it, and I'm expecting something great to happen. You know, it's just because before, like this is really getting me out of my comfort zone since starting this, you know, do you know what I'm saying? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, comfort zones, it's really interesting just as a, um, you know, I always think of the comfort zone as the known zone. Because it's the bit that we know and we keep ourselves in it because it's comfortable even when it's not comfortable. So it's really our known zone and pushing yourself out of that's where the magic happens. So I think you're right to connect with people and just see what happens. Yeah, the known zone. Never heard that. I like that though, but exactly what it is. That's a good description of it. Yeah. So you so you told me before we started in here that you are, would you say, working with energy or in an energy field? Is that what you're <laughs> yeah, I am. So I how, am. Let's we'll start and go back to how this all came about and see where uh, that takes us. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, I was, as you can probably hear, born in Australia. Um, I was born in Perth and then grew up in Adelaide. And then I moved to the UK for 11 years and then moved back to Australia, but to Melbourne. So if anyone knows, that is basically moving from the entire West Coast into the middle and then off to the East Coast. So, um, yeah, it's pretty big distances between them. But um, when I moved back to Melbourne, I actually started getting really, really unwell. Um, chronic fatigue. I was having three-hour naps in the afternoon. Um, yeah, just just had been keeping things together for too long and they started to fall apart. Um, and so in that journey of finding wellness, um, my GPs were, um, look, I have a lot of respect for Western medicine. Please don't take this as the wrong way. But, okay. you know, they never once asked me about my support systems or my relationships or anything like that. And they did all the blood tests and all the tests they could under the sun and they were like, you're the healthiest sick person we know. And that was all they left it at. And I'm going, surely that's not a good enough answer. And then they tried to put me on antidepressants. And that's when I was like, hmm, something's not quite right here because I'm not depressed. Sure. My, I'm actually not well. Um, and so, so that sort of led me down that natural therapies path. And so I ended up seeing a naturopath and a Chinese doctor and, Oh, goodness, heaps of other people, chiropractors, and, and, and really started to get into that natural healing. And the more I got into it and started to change my diet and my lifestyle, the more I was like, whoa, there's something in this. Like, this is big. Um, and then at the beginning of 2015, I went through quite a traumatic event um, and I just felt like an absolute empty shell of a human being. I felt like I had nothing left to give anybody. People had asked me how I was and I'd just burst into tears. I couldn't finish a sentence. Um, and as a result, I went to the doctor to get a mental health plan so that I could start seeing a psychologist um, because I thought I was broken and I needed to be fixed, um, which I'm sure is not an uncommon story for plenty of people out there. Um, 
But in that, I rang the psychologist because I knew this particular lady worked in a mindfulness way. She did mindfulness courses. She did assertiveness courses. Um, she worked in quite a holistic way. And I'd heard really, really good things about her. So I rang her and I couldn't get in for like six weeks to see her. And the next mindfulness class was starting in about eight weeks. And the receptionist asked me what was going on for me. And I kind of gave her the brief rundown of having just, you know, emigrated to Melbourne where we didn't know anybody, um, supporting my um, then husband through work that he was miserable in and also he was leaving his family in the UK for the first time and supporting my son who's been bullied at school and supporting my daughter who was just going through a really challenging time, having started school in the UK and then being told she couldn't come when she was over here. So the whole family, this receptionist just said to me, and who's got your back? And that was it. <laughs> I just crumbled. Um, and and I was like, well, nobody. I'm holding it all up. Like it oh. felt like an inverted house of cards and I was the bottom card and I was falling over and it was all just tumbling on top of me. And so this lady said to me, well, we've got another practitioner here. She's a kinesiologist. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like that. Never heard that before. I am willing to try anything. And so I had my first session in the April of 2015 and I started studying in the October of 2015 because I was like, if I can help one person the way she's helped me, I'll have, you know, I'll have made my life worthwhile. So, yeah, it's just been a phenomenal journey. So I guess that's how I got into it. And then from that, you know, it's that it's that slippery slope. The more you know, the more you realise you don't know, especially when it comes to energy and energy healing and vibrations and all of that side of things. And so then it was learning Reiki and um, I did another form of kinesiology called TBM, which is total body modification. Um, and I did a whole heap of other things. And now I'm doing archetypal life coaching as well. So it kind of takes you down this little slippery slope and a little winding path. And it's, yeah, very interesting. <laughs> that was a whole lot to take in right there. I mean, <laughs> so, all right, okay, let's backtrack a little bit. So yeah. you think the doctor said you were the healthiest sixth person they know. Yeah. They just... You think they just obviously, I guess you just said it, they couldn't figure out anything to give you a diagno diagnosis? No. They just, you think, you think no. they just didn't, maybe just wanted to push you off and just get you out of the way just because they couldn't figure anything out or... I, I honestly don't know. Look, I, I guess I always believe the best in people. Um, I think that they were just kept coming up with blanks as to what it was because there was nothing, you know, none of my markers in my blood were wrong. All of my, you know... Um, vitamin and mineral levels that they that they measured and that they can measure were all fine. Sure. There was a slight sign of maybe Hashimoto's, which is an underactive thyroid. Okay. Um, but, you know, they never talked about the stress in my life. They never talked about relationships. They never asked me about support systems. They never asked me about any of the stuff that was actually what was, was actually lined up in my right, <laughs> in my life, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, were you, is it, was it, would you say it was a pretty stressful situation? Hugely, yeah. hugely. Yeah. yeah. It's like stress is, I think it goes unnoticed like how much stress people don't realize that they're under and what it's actually doing mm. to them mentally and physically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not until, you know, going through, you know, you said you went through a traumatic event and, mm. you know, you go through events like that or, you know, whatever it is in life. And then you kind of sit back and do some self-reflection or and try to get more self-aware. It's like, wow. You know, I was living off momentum and I was going through my life day by day and not realizing how much stress, you know, I yeah. was under. and yeah. I don't know. I think I just, 
you know, I, f- I feel like I stay on a pretty even kill personally, you know, either really high or I don't ever really get too high. I never really get too low either. Yeah. And so, and that's what keeps me balanced out. But other people, you know, when I'm interacting with them and stuff, you can just tell by their body language and what they're saying and just, mm. man, how much stress is going on? You know, are, we like, are you okay? I mean, like, is there anything you can do to get out of it? And people just don't realize it, you know? And, no. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so normal and it's being, it's being glorified, you know, that glorification of busy and the, the, um, you know, the, the working all the hours God sends at a job that you don't like and being in relationships that aren't nourishing and nurturing for you and, you know, all of the different things that we're fed as a society as normal are <laughs> not until you move out of it do you realise how humans aren't designed to move at those speeds and do that much stuff. We're actually really not. Yeah. Um, if you think about our body physiology, we are built and, and you know, the way we're put together is to move through life at walking pace, mm-hmm. maybe running pace. Yet how much are we trying to take in driving around at 60, 100K an hour? Mm-hmm. Well, f- what will that be, 40 to 70 mile an hour? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's and so, yeah. Yeah, you just completely overwhelmed. Yeah, it's very overwhelming, especially in modern times. And it was just like you said, the the body and the mind probably was never designed this way. And that now that we have it all the time now, that you know, the brain is almost information overload at all costs. You know, there's so many decisions you're making every day and so many choices that add up little by little and you don't even realize the impact they're gonna have on your future. And then mm-hmm. when they do, you end up you know, even just stressed out, like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have chose, you know, choice A and I should have done choice B and now I'm completely under stress and how I'm going to get out of it. And then, you know, you get into a relationship that you thought was the greatest thing on day one, but now you're at day 60 and you find out it's just trash and, and you stay in your known, known zone, like you just said, and you don't want to get out of it because of, you know, I mean, might be used as a security blanket or, you know, you just don't want to take a chance on trying something new. And mm-hmm. so you just continue down that road until one day... I guess, you know, you just hit rock bottom and that's when most people, I feel like they decide, ah, I got to make a change. Yeah. I got to, I got to do something, you know, seek out other alternative ways to improve my lifestyle and whatever that may be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really, really important point is we do, we often see all of those signs that things aren't working, but because of societal expectation and all of those external influences that we see, whether it be our parents or teachers or peers or whatever, it's like we're having the wrong choices reinforced to us as being the right choices. And so when we feel into it and we realize, well, this doesn't feel right for me, we second guess ourselves. Yeah. Because we're we're so used to having everything come in from that external place. And that's what we trust more than our internal knowing. And I think that's what ends up tripping us up so often. I would agree with that 100%. Just because, yeah, exactly what you just said. You said it very well. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, that you just get tripped up by it or you don't get tripped up by it and just, yeah. I don't really, I don't really know to go off that. You said it very well. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah. I, was just like, yeah, I was trying to think of it in a better thought, but I really like that. It just makes, that yeah. makes perfect sense to me. And, you know, and I, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier, I hope a lot of people come to that realization that are having, you know, some type of issue in mm-hmm. their life or realizing they're not going down the path they want. And, you know, and that, that was part of me. You know, I've always 
had a pretty good life and I haven't, there's no complaints. And I've never, like I said, I've never really had a very high stress in my life. Yeah. Have I had high stress? Yeah, of course everybody has, but you know, I've learned different ways. I'm still learning, like talking with people like yourself about getting myself into finding that, that balance or looking for an external influence to help me get back to neutral, I guess. And just, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, and I kind of, and so building my own self-awareness to where I know that, okay, this is probably not a good place for me. And whether it be meditation, meditation, journaling, and that's been helping me a lot too, actually putting my thoughts down on paper and stuff. And, um, you know, in this learning, this more, what is my own self-improvement and self-care? And I think a lot of that was what the pandemic taught me. I mean, that's one of the pros of it that, you know, my life came to a halt and I was able to explore more options and other things that, okay, what can Chris do to, you know, make himself better? And, and I think a lot of people are starting to realize that. Do you agree? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For me, yes. Whilst the pandemic has created a lot of trauma, especially here in Melbourne, um, that I don't think people are actually out of yet. Um, yeah, we, it has also given this really good reframing on so many different things. Um, the slowing down. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things for me was trying to work out how I could keep some of those things going through, you know, return to normal or whatever you want to call it, um, because I don't think normal is actually ever going to be here again in some ways. But finding those ways to bring that stillness and that slowness into everyday life. Um, I know that one of um, the ladies I know, for example, she, every time the kids went back to school after our big lockdowns, she would go through almost a depression because she'd actually had so much fun with them at home. And then they'd end up getting sick or something like that and she'd get them back at home. She's like, I don't understand why every time we open up, like the kids are getting sick then. And I'm like, well, you're kind of bringing it in because you're not wanting them. You know, you're enjoying your time with them. And it is some of those sorts of things that I've noticed. So I just said to her, you know, find those things that you've loved doing as a family and just keep them going. That's exactly it. It's fine. You know, a lot of people are starting to find their passions and what they really want to do out of life. And, and that's moving them forward and keeping them a reason, giving them a reason to get out of bed in the morning, not giving them hope, you know, just, you know, you got to find your, whatever that is, whether it's like, you know, woodworking, taking on a new career or a new hobby or getting yourself in shape, whatever. And yeah, that's one of the, you know, and I hate saying it's, there was a pro to COVID, but that's, it was one of them, you know. And- uh, I think there's been lots actually, even just the fact that people now, when they get sick, guess what they do? They rest, they stay at home. Do you know what you should do when you're sick? You should rest and stay mm-hmm. at home, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's quite interesting, you know, before it was that, I mean, we even had an ad for it here in Australia saying soldier on. You know, it was for a cold and flu type medicine and, and the whole thing was about soldiering on, pop a couple of tablets and keep, you know, pushing through. And it's actually a really damaging message when you think about it. But that was what the culture, especially over here, was, is, you know, you go to work and you prove yourself, you yeah. know, rain, hail, shine, wellness, illness, whatever, you just push through and you prove yourself. And now people are taking those those days to rest when they're not well. And I think it's only going to be a good thing for people because they've kind of needed to do that all along. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent with that just because you know, I don't know how much you know about me, but you know, I do CrossFit, you know, and I train and I compete on the side and coach also. And that one of the biggest things to gaining, I get what sport am I looking for? Gaining better 
recover better health is this recovery and just that you know it does it's and it's one of these mindsets of crossfit that you always have to be training to fatigue and killing yourself basically in each workout you know mentally and, and physically but that's not true at all i mean yeah there is a place for that and everything but as far as you're taking your rest days and setting yourself back to resetting the batteries do you get a lot more gains or advantages or benefits that's the word i'm trying to say benefit mm. out of it and people some people don't realize that they and it's kind of what you were touching on earlier that you know with the uh so, for example, the entrepreneurial uh, norm that people think they only have to sleep four hours because they got to be up grinding and working and getting stuff mm-hmm. done. And, and yeah, you might be doing that, but at what cost is it at other things? You know, it's like what, kind of, what type of quality of work are you doing? And, and that's what I don't like about this whole, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit or like, oh, you always got to be working or you're never going to make it in life or be successful because that's not – there is some truth to it, but it's not entirely true. And, and, you know, and some people can say, yeah, I, don't, I only sleep four hours or two hours a night and I'm fine completely. But they're like, are you though? I mean, you can say that on Instagram and your followers are reading that and buying that, but are you really, or is that, is that just part of how you're gaining the influence? Cause there's, there's probably some positives to that, but not completely. No, I think, and your body, you know, our bodies do need rest. Our bodies aren't aren't built, as I was saying before, to travel at these speeds and to do so much, you know. How much time did, when we were tribal folk, did we sit around and, you know, the men would be honing their tools or whatever and chatting around in circle and communing together and the women would be doing the same and there was a much bigger community feel and we weren't working eight to ten hours a day. We just weren't. You know, we might have been pottering around or doing stuff, but a lot of it was chatting and communing with one another. Sure. And I think, you know, we we seem to have lost a bit of that, which, you know, obviously we don't want to go back to living in tribes necessarily, although some days I do wonder if it would be a nice thing to do. Um, But, you know, I love love the idea of, of finding, you know, I guess, again, balance in our life. You know, if we're only sleeping a short amount of time, our adrenals are running the show. And the more our adrenals are running the show, the more we're going into cortisol and all of that instead of those short bursts of adrenaline. Because we're not supposed to be in long-term stress. We're not, we're not really built for it. This is probably a little off topic, but doesn't Australia mm. have tribes still, like Aborigines? Oh, we do, yes, in certain areas, yeah. Uh, and ever- there are days I'd love to run away and join one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you ever they wouldn't have, have me. Do you ever have much interaction with them being in Melbourne or anything, or do you just, or are they just kind of out doing their own thing and no, look, we, um, I mean, I guess the, I'm going to be very honest, the Indigenous um, culture over here is very complex. There's lots of different tribes and lots mm-hmm. of different areas. Um, we do, you know, we do acknowledge them and, and it is something I'm learning more about, but I wouldn't feel qualified to exactly you know, I guess go into how it works because I guess it'd be the same with you guys in the North North American Indians, where or the North American um, natives, where they were all in different tribes with their different languages in in different parts of the land, and they lived in different ways because of it, depending yeah. on the landscape and the climate and all of that sort of stuff. So, because it is so intricate, I would have to bow out of that one. <laughs> well, no, I mean, if you have, in respect to them, sure. No, if you have to bow yeah. out, then I'm right there next to you too. <laughs> Because <laughs> I should be doing it too, but it is interesting to me that you know that we mm. still have tribes like that on this world today, and they're still yeah. living their life, I guess, pretty okay. I mean, oh. back to their primitive ways and doing their thing. I mean, and then I've read that there's so many different tribes. I think in Australia, and they're so far apart from one another. Where Australia is so mm. big that I guess it's rare that they even 
run into one each other. They they have such a beautiful culture. Um, I've actually got a few books on Aboriginal healing that I've been reading about. Um, but again, even those are quite difficult because it's, you know, it is a, a, a culture that's been passed on through through stories and language and the stories are just amazing. It is something that I would love to go and immerse myself in for quite a while because they're healing and the way they heal for me is just mind blowing. <laughs> so it takes my energy work to a whole different level. Well, all right, so, so, I mean, yeah. so, I mean, we can talk about this vaguely, but how, for example, how would they heal? I mean, what are you, what are you exactly saying? I mean, do they have their own little practices that, yeah. Yeah. Like what do you, do you have an example of like what one would be? I mean, cause I don't know. Or what, what would they do? No, look, I've, I have read a couple of books, but again, I'm not the expert. What I have read is, um, you know, it's, it's things like, you know, going into some of the telepathic stuff and connecting into the dream time, um, connecting into ancestors and, and I guess very similar in some ways from what I've read on, on the, um, Native Americans, yeah. um, where they do connect a lot in through that dream time and the dreaming or they call it the dream time here, but that that dreaming and connection to the other world um, and bringing through some of the knowledge and wisdom from that. Um, and they know so intimately the plants and the landscape and where to go to, you know, say find water and droughts and all of the different things and all the different plants that would be healing. And, of course, again, even with that natural medicine aspect, it will depend on which part of the country they're in because they'll have different plants depending on where they are whether it's desert or whether it's rainforest or whether it's you know the plains or whatever so yeah it's like I say fascinating but I don't know enough about it unfortunately to go into it but I would love to learn more I've been listening to yeah trying to absorb some more of it what are what are your thoughts on dreams and the reason I'm asking this is because I've been trying to figure out my own thoughts here lately on dreams because this past October, so for example, um, long story short, uh, how should I put this? So, okay. So me and one of my friends, you know, well, workout buddies, we decided to do a challenge in October and it was, we called it, you know, basically the sober October. So we did no caffeine, no alcohol for the whole month. Yeah. And, and it was one of those things when we were talking about stress earlier and how much you don't realize how much you're actually under, but I didn't actually understand, you know, how much caffeine I was taking in per day you know, as far as mm. coffee. And then, you know, during my workouts, you know, so I was like, oh, I'll have another cup of coffee or drink an energy drink, just get ready to go. But, you know, I didn't, but I, I was sleeping fine to my knowledge, you know, I was getting my eight hours, seven hours, no big deal. So it wasn't until like after two or three weeks into this October thing that we were doing, I started dreaming again. And, you know, and I remember waking up one morning, I was like, man, when was the last time I dreamed? You know, like I haven't had a dream like that in a long time. And, and so now, you know, I've kind of, I've been, I mean, I'm back on caffeine, but not as much, you know, that was one thing that's benefited me greatly. Mm-hmm. And so, but now like, you know, I'm, I'm dreaming very often. And, and I think, and I'm, you might have to correct me on this if you know it, but I think lucid dreaming is you actually have control of your dreams and what's going on. And I don't think I'm doing that, but when I wake up, I do feel like, you know, that dream was so vivid that it was like, did I have control of that or not? But it was yeah. so real at the same time. And it's like, and kind of what we were talking about when, before the show, where you saying like, you know, we'll just see where the energy takes us and podcasts and stuff. It's like, what was yep. that telling me? What does I need to figure out? And, <laughs> you know, like, and then I try to write it down. It's like part of my journaling and like, hmm, yeah. what was really going on? And why did my mind take me there? 
Well, the interesting thing, and I love, I love dreams and the symbology and the messages and all of that. And I don't, I don't always get the, all of the symbology of mine. And sometimes I'll ask around a little bit because, you know, our subconscious doesn't speak in words. True. It speaks in symbols and pictures and feelings and all those different things. So with, I'll take it back a little step, our intuition comes in our clair senses. So most people understand clairvoyance, which is clear seeing. We also then have um, clear hearing, clear audience, clear knowing, which is clear cognizance, clear, clear sentience, which is clear feeling, and clear gustance and clear salience, which is clear, clear taste and clear smell. So okay. basically that's how we get our psychic messages or our intuitive messages through, depending on which language you like to use. But, you know, people who talk about gut feelings, that's clairsentience. You know, you can give it whatever name you want, um, but we do. We all have these psychic senses. It is part of being human. So we either use our seeing, our hearing, we get little messages. I sort of feel like it's through this little mail slot in my head where I just know stuff. Um, clairsentience, so the feeling, um, and then the taste and the smell. So it's any of those senses, messages can come in through. So that is the way our subconscious speaks to us and our intuition speaks to us. So when we're asleep, our body will give us either things that we're processing or trying to make sense of in symbol form. Mm -hmm. Now, nightmares are an interesting one because a lot of the time nightmares aren't meant to scare the bejesus out of us but the reason it does is so that we remember it so the symbology in nightmares in in the way that i have learned about dreams is like that real super importance it's like your subconscious screaming at you you need to process this you need to remember this you know this is something that matters and so it's then looking at what those symbols mean to you and how you can then um how you can then, I guess, learn more consciously about what you need to be doing. So it's like the subconscious kicking messages into your conscious mind for your conscious mind then to try and process. So I know, um, you know, some of the some of the symbology um, that comes in will only be relevant to you. But say it's an animal. So say I don't know a bee. Bees are in your dream. You're being chased by a swarm of bees or something like that. Yeah. Well, bees are all about community. They're about working together. And so thinking about, you know, how are you working with your community? How are you interacting with that community? Do you need to build the community? Are you feeling, because you're being chased by the bees, that the community is against you for some reason? Or, you know, you can start to look at some of those symbologies mm -hmm. And you can Google some of those sorts of things like bee medicine or the metaphysical meaning of bees and you'll come up with other people's, I guess, interpretations. But I always go to mine first. So if I think about bees, I think about that working together, the community, the, the supporting one another, also the sweetness, Ooh, you know, boy. hard work, um, you know, hard work to get that nectar of life. That makes sense. Am I working too hard and not stopping to taste the sweetness? So there's, you can kind of start asking a few questions and teasing it out a little bit just by going, okay, so what does that mean to me? Or what does that mean to me? And you can keep asking that question and be like a toddler. Why would that be? How yeah. could that happen? 
you know, what could that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> and kind of keep asking the question, okay, so I've dreamt about bees. Well, what do bees mean to me? Okay, this. Okay, so what does that mean to me? And just get that first answer in your brain as well. So the other thing people forget when they're looking at that um, intuition and trying to tap into their intuition is they'll get this thought in their brain and then they'll go, huh, no, that can't be right. And they'll start overthinking it yeah. and they'll start, you know, kind of talking themselves out of what that first intuitive thought was. And the hardest thing for me to have done when I first started working in this is speaking before I think. Smart. So especially when I'm channeling, I need to, I actually end up speaking really fast because my conscious brain's trying to catch up. And so when I do start channeling and I, I say it to clients in session, I'm like, I will start speaking really fast if this is, you know, stuff coming through. And I'll be like, blah, 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 blah. and I get to the end and it's like, oh, I hope you got that because I've got no idea what I just said. <laughs> so, so when you say channeling, you mean it's coming from your subconscious and then you start talking fast? Or what do you mean by that? Exactly. You just don't know. Well, uh, I I don't know where it comes from, to be honest. It could be, you know, I sort of believe in having uh, spirit guides and, and all of that sort of stuff. So whether it's my guides, whether it's my client's guides, whether it's, you know, just higher consciousness, um, whether it's just stream of consciousness stuff where it's just, you know, the right message coming in. I guess when I'm, when I'm working with people, whether it be, you know, over online, um, where I'm, I'm still dialed in to your energy field. So even as we're talking now, if you imagine that you have a special you radio station, yeah. I tune into that. And so I'm hitting that exact frequency when I'm tuning into people. And so our energy fields are, are, are mixing. And even just by you knowing that you're going to be speaking to me today, in some ways your subconscious has tuned into my radio station. And that's what will direct then the conversation. So, that and even if we're with people in a room, then our energy fields are overlapping. And so we're reading what's going on anyway. That's how sometimes you can go, oh, what did I say there? Even though they haven't made any external, you know, uh, sure. movements, we can pick up on the fact, oh, that didn't land well or mm -hmm. because we're reading that energy field from them. Sure. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes when we are, well, well, not even sometimes, more often than not, when I'm doing these podcasts and stuff, after I finish, it's like, what the hell we just talk about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? and I was like, wait, where did that come from? And, and even though sometimes, and even sometimes, you know, I'll have like a random memory, you know, for example, I forgot the last one I was doing or whatever, but a, a memory came back to me that I haven't really thought about in years. And it was, and again, long story short, short, it was when I was in eighth grade and uh, in my high school, we went eighth through 12th grade. And, you know, I'm really, you know, I was really short then. I weighed barely a hundred pounds coming out of elementary school. And I remember every time my bus would pull up to that, the driveway of the high school, I would instantly start having these gut wrenching pains. And just because I was so nervous, like everyone was picking on me and I was going to get beat up and stuff. And it never happened. I mean, but it was one of those things that I just, I don't know if I locked out of my mind or just never really talked about, just kind of put it way back on a very, very, very back burner of things. But there's one day it just came about and I was like, where did that come from? I thought about that in years, you know? And it's like, was that just because of, you know, the, you know, kind of what you're saying, that's how the conversation was flowing, the energy is just something that sparked in my mind that I don't know, like you said, channeling. And I was like, well, something like from a younger self come about. I don't know. It was hard for me to explain. Yeah. 
But it's just like when that happens to me, I do wonder though, just like, or like sometimes I'll even, you know, remember something randomly, you know, like as far as like, you know, when I was talking about dreams, I remember bits and pieces, but then something like during my workouts and I don't know if I just got a clear head then or whatever, but during my workouts, I've noticed like, oh yeah, that did happen in that dream last night. And it's like, I like that. And it's just, it's just odd. It's just a wonder to me how, or yeah, it's just wild to me how the brain works sometimes. Mm. So these weird moments, something happens and. Like well, a- when you're working out, if you think about it, you're super focused on what you're doing. Sure. You're focused on what the muscles are doing. You're, and so it's almost like in that focusing, you're really being present. And so your subconscious goes, ah, oh, he's finally here. So we can start sending through some inspiration or some, you know, learnings or whatever. Because so often we spend over 95% of our time either in the past or in the future. Really? Yeah. 95%. More than. Most people more than. Most people would be more than 97%. Because our subconscious runs the show. And so the subconscious is either living in the past of what's happened to inform what what could potentially happen now or we're what-ifing. Oh, what could happen? What's going on tomorrow? Who am I going to speak to? What's going to, oh, what, how's that going to work? Oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if, and so we're constantly living in one or the other. We're very rarely in the present moment. So when people are, there's a couple of times that I find the intuition comes up. One is when we're doing those um, activities where the subconscious is completely running the show, like, you know, in the shower, you will shower yourself pretty much the same way that you have every day. You will start washing the same bits. You will will literally go through the same routine every day. So your subconscious is completely running the show. You don't need to think about the way you wash yourself. You just do it. And that's why the subconscious is like, oh, okay, like we've got this. We've done this so many times. Now here's a few bits that you can think about. That's why so many people get those intuitive sparks in the shower or somewhere like that because they are mostly present but they're also in that really second nature type activity. For you in the gym, you need to concentrate because if you're not concentrating, you could injure yourself. So you're almost hyper-focused on this present moment, on that next rep, on that muscle positioning on whatever it is, but you're right here. You are right in the present. And being right in the present allows your brain to go, oh, yeah, we're we're actually focused on this moment now. There's a little bit of space for us to start dropping some stuff through. Do you think everyone has intuition or do you think? Everybody. I feel like they do too. And I think a lot of people, either they just push it back or make it go unnoticed and they don't really. Mm. Because I feel like sometimes if you say that, you know, I had a feeling, I had a thought or whatever, and I just felt that that was going to happen or whatever. People will just say that. Uh, I guess they're afraid what other people think of them. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, absolutely. I do that all the time now. And and, and this is my job. So it's like, holy shit, they're going to think I'm freaking mad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You you learn to trust it more because it gives you the more, I guess it's the same way. And actually it's, um, it's one of the quotes from my book is, you know, when you first start using your intuition, it is like an atrophied muscle. It's not been, it's not been used because through the patriarchy system and love men, don't get me wrong, men are as damaged by patriarchy as anybody else. Um, But the patriarchal system is all about control and comparison and, 
manipulation in so many ways. You know, marketing is basically done on that patriarchal system. You are you are not enough. If you buy our product, you will then be enough. If you do this, you will then be enough. When you say patriarchy, are you saying everything mm. ruling by men? Well, it's not necessarily ruling by men. It is ruling through fear and separation. Okay. okay. <laughs> through fear and separation. I'm not make sure through... I, was, I had that. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yes. No. Um, I Men are, um, and so this is the thing. Within our divine self, we have the divine masculine and the divine feminine. Nothing to do with gender, nothing to do with identity, but we have the two halves of the whole. We have that wholeness. We have access to the divine feminine and we have access to the divine masculine. The easiest way to describe that is if you think about the male sex organs, they are out there, they're visible, they're projective, they are giving, they are what you can see. Sure. So that is the masculine aspect, all of that external stuff. If you think about feminine sex organs, they're hidden, they're mysterious, they're, and so, and it's much more about feeling and receiving that's the feminine aspect. I agree. Now, you both give and receive. It doesn't mean you're a man or a woman, but you have that feminine and that masculine aspect to yourself. You can give things and you can receive things. And so that's just the way that, you know, I guess the natural universe, you know, balances things out. And you could call it whatever you wanted to, yin and yang, Shiva and Shakti. There's plenty of different terms for those opposing forces. But that's that's kind of what we're looking at is balancing those opposing forces in ourselves. Okay. Now with, with patriarchy, when it started and you think about, you know, the witch trials and the burning and all of that kind of stuff, it was about separating God from us because we used to worship the goddess, which was mother earth and the cycles of nature and all of that sort of stuff. And they didn't know how women got pregnant. You know, there wasn't exactly monogamy. People were literally, you know, having rituals where everyone was with everyone and everybody, no big deal, much more free. So all of a sudden after these festivals, women would just start getting bigger and then they'd produce babies. And so they didn't understand that full, you know, idea of, of how the seed got in the woman, women got pregnant, they gave birth. And so they were seen as little mother earths, but then God got separated from us and put up in the sky and he was, you know, vengeful and fear-based and all of that kind of stuff. And that's when this sort of thing happened and that's when that ruling by more of a fear aspect came in. So those more feminine aspects of the intuition, of the mystery and the hidden aspect and the emotive aspect of life started to get, you know, kind of demonised a bit more. You know, those intuitive women were called witches, we're not, by the way. Well, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> all of that stuff, you know, menstrual blood used to be highly revered as, you know, coming of age and womanhood and, oh, my God, let's celebrate this. And right. now it's like hide it away, don't talk to anybody, shish. Right. <laughs> so it's just a difference in the way that things are going. So, you know, when when we talk about intuition, sometimes we've just got to change the words for people to actually understand. If you talk to a businessman about their gut feeling and their, you know, the way that they they kill those deals just because they know what's going to happen, they're going to go, hell yeah, I do. If you go, that's your clairsentience at play, they're going to go, fuck off. That's a good that's, point. You know, don't use exactly that word. it. Exactly it. <laughs> You know, same thing, different words. 
And so I think everybody has intuition and everybody can work at those muscles if they want to build those muscles and tone them the same way that you do with CrossFit. Mm -hmm. It's no different. You know, I, I work on my intuition every single day. And for an easy thing, think about what you want to eat for lunch or breakfast. What's going to fuel my body better? Mm-hmm. You know, walk into a food court or something. Okay, there's McDonald's over there where I can get, you know, whatever it is. I don't need it. McDonald's, whatever they serve, burgers and Mac, stuff. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep. You know, or I don't know, there's a salad bar over there. Mm-hmm. You know, what does my body need right now? I can <laughs> tell you more than likely what your body's going to want. Now, if you ignore that intuition of what your body actually needs and you go and have the other one, that's when you end up feeling a bit bloated, a bit ugh. Yeah. You know? But if you listen to what your body wants, you'll end up going, oh, that felt really good. Sure. You know, even if you were looking at two healthy options, you know, a sushi and a salad, and you go, oh, I really fancy sushi today. Oh, I'm going to get the salad because I had sushi yesterday. You know, feel how you feel after eating it. And your yeah. body will go, oh, I wish I had the sushi. Yep. But your body was telling you what you needed to do. (laughs) I agree 100%. Just, you know, I feel like, you know, I eat a very, basically the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, I, it's just easy for me to do it. But, you know, when I get off that, I can tell, you know, differences in my body on, you know, if I didn't eat as well as I was supposed to or whatever. But sometimes also my body's like, you know, I eat a very high protein diet and that's what works for me. I found that Mm -hmm. out. I've been through a bunch of different things. And some of my bodies is always wanting like need of some sort, right? It's just. Yeah. It gets that feeling, and when I don't get, I'm it, the same. Yeah, and then you know, like so. This past weekend, I was traveling, uh, helping out some family do things, and that you know, and they're they don't really take nutrition or anything as serious as I do. So, and I'm you know, if, whatever. If you don't, that's fine. I don't care if you do or not. But I like it. It makes like you said, makes me feel good. Mm. But I can tell, like I, you know, they were eating bread or whatever, and you know, I was going, all right, I'll eat a piece of bread, no big deal. And it was one of those things that you know. My body's like, what are we doing here, bro? <laughs> like, we don't usually eat yeah. like this. Yeah. And, you know, I could felt like later on in the day, I was more sluggish or sluggish mm. than usual. And, yeah. But yeah, my, my body was still wanting, you know, basically what you said, it was wanting some meat of some sort. Mm. That's predominantly what I usually just do for dinner, just some type of meat and fruit. And I feel yeah. good. I feel great. Yeah. And that's when my body was like, what are we doing here, man? This is not right. And then you can just tell yeah. it. Like, yeah. The next day, I was kind of, yeah. usually when I get up, I'm pretty smoky, I feel like, but not. And that's your body saying to you, that's your bodily wisdom, your innate wisdom going, our body doesn't work with this. Some people could eat bread all day and be fine. Exactly. You know, my body can't handle gluten and things. I actually went vegan for a couple of weeks because, you know, I thought I'll give it a go. I went to my naturopath and she went, what the fuck have you done? And I'm like, (laughs) what do you mean? She said, I have not seen your levels this bad since we've been working together two years. And I was like, well, and I said, well, I went vegan for a couple of weeks. She don't, don't ever do that again. She said, your body can't cope with that. Uh. And I'm like, huh, okay. And so even with that, you know, for some people that works beautifully. For me, it, it just doesn't. No, I'm a firm believer in there's no one diet that fits all. And, yeah. and I'm not, and I'm not shitting on vegans by any means, but, you know, let's say you've ate, you know, McDonald's most of your life and terrible or whatever. So a lot of people do switch to being a vegan just because they, you know, there are probably are some good things to it, but well, they don't get that the first couple of weeks that they are probably not eating that processed foods and sugar and everything. So they think, Oh, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling well. So they keep going on this. And then down the road, it's, you know, starts to make them, you know, when you go get your, mm. like if you go get your blood panel done or anything, it's like, eh, you're probably not as good as you thought you were, which if you are, that's great. I'm not shooting on vegans. If you're happy yeah. with it, it's working for you, do it. 
But, yep. you know, I'm currently reading a book called Sacred Cow right now. And they were talking about how, you know, vegans with, you know, being pregnant with the, you know, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, not the embryo, the, whatever, the baby inside the of fetus. Yeah, 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 there you go. That, um, yep. that this is how malnourished it's, uh, the baby really is inside that this based mm-hmm. off that diet and that is and that it can be done correctly but you got to be on the ball i guess with yeah. supplements and everything else but yeah so i, I just wanted to say that thought just yeah. because i feel like there's a lot of things that go unsaid as far as vegans because they do think they are feeling better but this guy you, you didn't you didn't or did you realize that you cut out ton all that sugar and stuff so <laughs> oh no, absolutely. And I think I think it's the same with any any kind of dietary change or whatever, you know. If we're doing it for and I guess diet in itself is is problematic. I want to think of it as a healthy lifestyle and there I want to think that's, of myself as nourishing and nurturing my body. And if it feels nourishing and nurturing to my body, then it's that's where I need to go with it. If it doesn't feel nourishing and nurturing, you know, <laughs> In terms of, you know, killing animals, I'm really not for that at all. And yet I have to eat meat and I'm, and it's a really, you know, it's a big, I guess, whatever you want to call, you know, divide for me of going, I really don't want to eat them, but I kind of have to because my body works well with that. And so if I could choose to, I'd love to, (laughs) but my body doesn't work with that. And so it's really fascinating when you start to look at it, but again, providing you feel like it's nourishing and nurturing I, I, that's the main thing i agree 100 percent as far as factory farming i don't agree with it at all but you know how i guess one of the arguments is how do you feed you know the population without factory farming or whatever mm. and i think you know i, I forgot what is this where people are starting to look more into regenerative farming and we don't have to go down this whole road but we can but um but that's the argument that people well, you can't you know feed that many people with just a small amount of cows or whatever and just um but yeah, that's the whole point. It's like, I don't know where the line is. And I, again, it's one of those things that I don't know a lot about it to keep talking about it, but yeah. I just know that that just seems to be the only thing that can feed the size of our populations now. It's just that you have to have that for some, in some point that if you want a dollar burger from McDonald's, that you have to have that. And that's the only way to do it. So. Yeah. Oh, look, my idea would be to get a block of land and, you know, be off grid and have my cows and my chickens. And (laughs) I would love that. (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, like, again, you know, we're going back to the, I guess, our primal instincts or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of, you know, what we were made to move and made to, you know, live like that, you know, and just not eat, you know, go into this whole junk food society that's just been made out of a lab or whatever that people manipulate the brain again through you know one thing i was learning that sweet versus salty and there's how like you know this one guy was doing a he was like a competitive food eater you know he was eating like an eight pound sundae or something and then like he got so full and then he switched over to salty fries and just consumed a bunch of them and then like immediately he was able to finish the sunday just by telling his brain that switch off however that works God, the brain is an amazing thing. The more I learn about it, the more I'm like, holy crap. You know, yeah. it's it's a fascinating structure, really, when you think about it. I want I want to go back a little bit just because you mm. said something uh, and I was interested in it. You said you had spirit guides. Mm-hmm. Okay? And what did you mean by that? Just because the first person I think I've heard say that or talk about it. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what does she mean by spirit guides? And then I forgot about it and it just hit me that I wanted to. No, that. that's all right. Um, I guess... You know, you hear people talk about, say, guardian guardian angels or whatever. Sure. My 
Well, I've I've met a number of my guides. I am um, I have clear seeing, so I have seen them in dreams. I have connected with them in lots of different ways. I've heard them speak to me. I know that probably sounds a little bit crazy, but uh, you know, I get I get a lot of senses from you know spirits that are around me. Um, so for me, they come in lots of different ways. So the way I think about it is. I've been lucky enough to have that experience. For those people who don't and don't believe in it, I just ask the question, but what if it is true? What if you do have these guides who are looking out for you? And whether you call it God, whether you call it higher self, whether you call it spirit guides, whatever you want to call it, we're not (laughs) the authority in this world. Let's face it. If I'm the highest level there is, we're all screwed. I hate to say it. <laughs> Same as no offense, but if you're the highest thing that there is, again, we're all fucked. I, I'm, with you. I'm about to say the same thing, but you don't want that to happen. There has to be something bigger. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I hate to say it, you know, not to get controversial, but it's certainly not Klaus Schwab. You know, we're looking, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of thinking, you know, I call it God, universal source, the goddess. You know, I use different names for it depending on, you know, what the mood is. Now, I feel that I have a team that sits sort of between me and God. Okay. Um, Now, in that team, I actually have a number of animals, which is um, very much that Native American type. Um, culture actually but I've um, I've got a number of animals that that I commune with that bring me messages and things like that Um, I also have um, a main guide um, who oh you won't be able to see her from here she is I've got a picture of her on my wall which was channeled through Um, her name is Amira and she brings through, um, you know, different messages for me. Um, and so I've got these different guides that help me in different aspects of my life. Um, and the way I suggest to people is start to connect with it the way that it feels right for you. So for me, it's about, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, hi guys, thank you so much for being with me again. Thanks for getting me through yesterday. I guess a little bit the way you'd pray to God. Okay. You know, I really appreciate your support. Show me the way, show me what I need to be doing today. Show me who I need to reach out to. Show me, you know, the best way that I can, I can service my clients today. I'll ask them for guidance. If I'm, you know, if I'm getting stuck on something, okay, show me what I'm not seeing. Tell me. Is that part you of know, the guide me in the right way? Part of the messages when you say they bring you messages that mm. they're not like, hey, you should probably go down this way. Yeah. Do this. Or again, that little intuitive thing of, oh, I'm gonna go, you know, whatever it is. I'm gonna go and reach out to this person to be on a podcast, or I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, yeah. they'll they'll lead me down that right way. Um, you know, when I wrote my book, for example, um, it had been fishing around in my head for five years in one form or another. I think it had about five or six different titles before I came up with the titles that I printed it with. Um, and that manuscript was out of my head in five weeks. It was literally 120 days from me typing my first words to holding my book in my hands. Now getting 50,000 words out in five weeks, a lot of that, I mean, I was reading through it, um, after I'd got it back from my editor going, I, I know I wrote all this stuff, <laughs> but I don't really remember 
some of what I wrote. Interesting. Because it was literally I was just typing the words as they were flowing through and I guess that same way that you were saying, oh, you know, where did that come from? Yeah. I was reading some of it going, oh, that's, that's pretty good. I like that. You know, but, <laughs> you know I can do that. <laughs> yeah, but again, a lot of it sort of just felt like once I opened that floodgate and I was connected in at that right level, it just came through. And it's the same way that when I'm working in healing sessions with clients um, or I don't call myself a healer, I call myself a facilitator. So I, I translate what your body wants you to know. And you either make the changes or you don't. <laughs> Good way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I'm working in that, I will get messages through. Um, I, I had a client who had lost their child. Um, and when the message first came through, I was like, oh, no, 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 don't say anything. Um, you know, and then it came through again and I'm like, oh, and then it came through again and I'm like, oh, and I'm checking, you know, I use muscle testing, which is um, basically checking muscle tone for um, answers of the body. So if something is stressful to the body, certain muscles will not hold tone. And if it's not stressful, then the muscle can hold tone as a really, really basic sort of, um, I guess, indicator. So I was asking her for a, a, a yes or a no as to whether she was ready to hear the message. Anyway, it tested up as a yes and I gave her the message and it was the biggest healing that, you know, she was like, oh, my God, I can let go of all this stuff that I've been carrying now. And I, it was only a few sentences that I got through, but I could feel the presence of, of you know, her child there. Um, and the first time I had it was you know, it freaked me out because I was doing my Reiki. I was learning how to be a Reiki um, practitioner and I was doing a healing on a friend of mine and I had no idea that she'd actually lost a daughter. And as I'm doing it, I just got this vision of, you know, of a child standing next to me. And I just, and when, as soon as she opened her eyes after the healing, she looked up at me and she went, oh, Rose was with you, wasn't she, while you were doing that? And I went, yeah, you might want to talk to me a little bit about that because it freaked me out. And she said, oh, yeah, Rose is my daughter. I lost her when she was eight. And I went, oh, six or eight. And I'm like, huh, that would have been nice to know because I didn't know that I could see things like that or do things like that. And so it was quite a fascinating, you know, I, I guess it just comes through in, in those different ways. Um, the, the spirit of yeah. the daughter was with you? Yeah. So As I was healing the mom. So let's, let's clarify this. So, you know, and I've talked to somebody before that, you know, I had to ask this question. So you know, there's a difference between spirits and ghosts, correct? Mm, yeah. 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 And I yeah. think that's where some of the confusion gets. And I forgot how she explained it to me exactly. But, um, but yeah, she basically made the way you just said, you know, described Rose was a spirit and that mm. you know, there's a lot more spirits than we actually, I guess, know that are around us, I think is how she said. And that yeah. you know, it's, it could be some part of our lives or whatever. But I can't remember how she explained ghosts. But anyway, that mm. was the point. I was like, that makes perfect sense to me at the time. Because mm. I always just thought of spirits as ghosts and ghosts as spirits. Like I just thought they were one and the same all the time. And yeah. I thought that it was one of those things that, you know, it just kind of gets overlooked or just never really clarified on. Mm. I think the spirit world is, is, is such a big, um, I mean, and again, I only know the bits that I know. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, you know, the people that we have lost that have passed over, you know, when you're in the spirit world, you're omnipresent, you can be anywhere, you know, the same as God, you can, you can watch over, you know, if you're a grandfather, you can watch over all of your grandchildren simultaneously. Mm -hmm. You know, you you don't just have to be in one spot because sure. you're not a physical meat suit. You're, you know, <laughs> you're free from that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. 
Um, and so, you know, and I sort of see those spirits of people that we've lost as, as sort of sitting, you know, I guess closest to earth if you, if you want to, I guess, categorise it a bit more. Our spirit guides then for me would be, you know, perhaps that next sort of field up along with your archangels and those kinds of energies. And then you've kind of got your, your ascended masters and gods and things like that, just that little bit higher. So and not that it's a tier system or a hierarchy, but that's kind of the way that I think about it. So when I am in that space, I it's like I lift my energy up and they bring their energy down slightly and we mix it up here. Whereas when I'm tall, not that people can see that when they're listening. <laughs> but if you imagine me lifting my energy up and then bringing their energy slightly down, that's where we mix. Whereas for you and I, when we're speaking, we're pushing our energy out and tuning into that radio station more on a horizontal rather than a vertical level. And speaking of this and like misconceptions, is this one of the things or topics that kind of go or not clarified as well as far as like the differences in spiritual and religion? Oh, look, my idea of, um, you know, I was raised very religious sure. um, and I used to love church. I used to love it the, when everyone was singing together and there was some kind of peace that I always found in. But then people would walk out the church and be the same asshole they were before they walked in and I'd be like, oh, this is just bullshit, you know. <laughs> and not I everyone's agree. like that. I agree. Um, but I, I kind of got sick of the hypocrisy of it and the holier-than-thou bullshit. Um, but the way I look at it, and again, my very personal view, is that religion is much more about dogma and, again, about that fear and separation Whereas for me, spirituality is about my experience with the spirit world or with God, my personal communing, my personal experience. Some of what I talk about, people, you know, would go, oh, you're crazy, but it's what I've experienced and it's what I've, you know, been led to, to understand, to see, to hear, to feel, to know because it's stuff that's coming from my personal experience. And that for me is the difference between spirituality and religion is I'm not doing it with rituals and, and dogma and rules to it. I'm just trying to be the best person I can and not be an asshole as much as possible. I'm human. So occasionally I am an asshole, sure. but, uh, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing where, um, you know, that for me, if I'm trying to just be the best person I can and that's the experience that I'm having with with the guidance that I'm getting, then to me that's my spirituality. Yeah. You know, with all the different religions, that this seems to be one of the common factors and you just hit it on the head that, you know, that be a good person and don't be an asshole. It just, and it doesn't, mm. you know, no matter what religion you believe in or you follow or whatever, but that seems to be the, basically the most common factor of all of them. Is that, yeah. Just, yeah, be a good person and, you know, don't be an asshole. Just, yep. you know, treat others, I guess, how you would want to be treated and stuff. And that's one of the things that, you know, I've kind of seen that as far as religion and stuff. Because, you know, we, my family, I mean, I grew up kind of the same way. It was uh, religious, went to church and everything. But, you know, as far as like the difference between Baptist and Methodist and all that, I had, it all kind of seemed the same to me. And um, But it was also one of those things that was also forced on me at the time too because it was just one of those things oh you're we go to church and that's just what we yeah. do yeah and it's kind of like okay we just go because we're going and i'm just don't really have anything else you know i can't really say anything back to mom and pop about it but i was like all right we go but then as i got older though it was also i started to notice that some people would tell me that you know 
they're going to church on either Christmas or Easter. And I was like, well, when was the last time you went before that? And I was like, are you just going because you have to go? You know, because like, that's the social norm. You're going because you're supposed to go. And I was like, I don't think it's supposed to work that way. You know, I mean, mm. and it was like, yeah, it was what you said, too. Like people would just leave and like, hey, man, it's not what you were saying in church or talking about. You're, you're acting like a complete yeah. idiot out here now. You know, it's yeah. Like, yeah, that's just I don't know. It's one of those things that. I guess we're taught and that's just what we're supposed to follow, but everyone has their own life experiences and goes down different paths and, and they have their own views of whether it's spirituality, religion or whatever. And it's just interesting for me to hear and, you know, understand, try to understand it and just try to get more clarification. Cause I feel like other people are kind of similar to me and don't realize, you know, or look at a different way to look at it, I guess. Mm. Well, I guess the, the big thing, thing for me is that my spirituality doesn't have rules. Hmm. Every morning when I go and walk my dog on the beach, it is my communing with God and nature. Yeah. yeah it's and like your I occasionally will listen to a podcast or something like that, but oftentimes, like this morning, I will just, you know, it'll be me and the dog and, you know, and whatever else is going on. And, and that's often as I'm walking, I'll be chatting with my guides or give it, you know, show me what I'm not seeing or, you know, show me the way, what's my next step. You know, what do I need to do next? What's my priorities? Um, how can you, you know, how can I gain more support with this? And, you know, a, a good example is, you know, when I've been going through some tough times, I might, when I'm walking, just all of a sudden get, say, a practitioner's name come into my head. And I'll ring and I'll make an appointment and I'll go, I don't know why I'm supposed to see you. And next thing, whatever it was I was having that issue with will be sorted out just because I've had that name drop into that mail slot at the top of my head or whatever, or I'll, or I might meet somebody who goes, Oh, have you thought about this? And, you know, if I get something given to me three times, I need to do it. Ooh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the way I look it's at like, it. It's like, Hey, we're trying to show you every sign right here, every door, yeah. you got to go do it. Yeah, exactly. And I'll give you a funny story um, okay. just on on the whole spirit guide side of things. Um, so when I first met my partner, um, he walked around the corner and I was like, oh, my God, it's him. And I'd walked into dates before going, oh, it's not him. Okay, I've got to sit and have a drink and be polite and do all of that sort of stuff. Sure. But he walked around the corner. I was like, oh, my God, it's him. And then, of course, you know, the doubt comes in. You, you know, you can't know that just from somebody walking around a corner and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, right. three and a half right. years together, right. we're, we're still together. Um, but I remember about a month or two into the relationship and I was walking along and I'm like, okay, I've had a few signs now because I kept asking for signs. And I said, right, show me a black and white feather if I'm actually on the money here or if I'm not. And so I'm walking along and there's a white feather and I'm like, oh, you know, halfway there you know but then a couple of meters away there was a black feather and within 10 meters I saw a black uh, the white feather the black feather and then a black and white feather so when I'd said show me a black and white feather they gave me the black and the white feather and then the black and white feather and I'm like god you guys <laughs> like it just and that was within 10 meters and it wasn't exactly like there were heaps of trees or anything like that there was no reason for these feathers really to be there but it just made me laugh that there were those three in a row of going we're going to give you a sign that you cannot ignore <laughs> yeah they, they made it pretty obvious with that right there yeah so <laughs> wait was that your first initial thought though that you know it's like oh we can't meet like this this is probably not true that you know like overthink it kind of Oh, it was the initial thought was, oh my God, it's him. Yes, this is, a, you know, 
And then it was like, oh, but, you know, how do I, I haven't even spoken to him yet, you know, and then the thinking mind kind of comes in to talk over the intuition. I think yeah. that's what I was saying before. You've got yeah. to speak before you think because the speaking is the intuitive mind that, you know, the, that stream of consciousness stuff rather than when we stop and we think about it, we'll talk ourselves out of what our intuition is telling us. Yeah, Amanda, I think we're getting a little close on time here, but I wanted to yeah. add, um I feel like everything we've talked about was this, and I guess I already know the answer to this question, but I wanted you to kind of elaborate on it for the listeners. Like, was all this, like, what little we talked about, your story and, like, religion and, you know, nutrition, was all this kind of your motivation for for the book, you think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of big T traumas and a lot of little T traumas that all kind of added up and, you know, finding my way out through the energy healing and through spirituality and through sorting out, you know, diet, like, you know, I mentioned the meat soup before. Sure. So quantum physicists have proven that the universe is 4% physical matter. So most people put a lot of you know, emphasis on this meat suit, that this physical body is 4% of the picture. So I look at what the other 96% is. So that's our emotional health, our energetic health, our spiritual health, our mental health, our, you know, emotional, financial, relational, you know, transformational, all of those different aspects of us actually combine to make who we are. And, and I guess that journey of, 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 me finding who I was underneath all that conditioning. Um, yeah, it was the motivation for me to write the book. And I guess there's bits of all of it in there is because we need to look at ourselves in a much more multidimensional way just by fixing the physical, we're not going to fix the other bits. Just by looking at the emotional or the spiritual, we're not going to be looking at it. It all feeds into one another. And we sort of need to work on a few other strands. You know, you don't just do CrossFit. Right. You also eat well. You also do your meditation. You're looking after your spiritual self. You're looking after the energy side of it. You're looking after the mental side of it. You know, you're bringing in a lot of different aspects. And so I guess that's really what it was is because, um, you know, I was looking at the fact that the external influence has dominated my life. My life on paper was perfect. You know, I had a rich, successful husband. I had two beautiful children. We lived in the UK. We'd moved to Australia. You know, we traveled. We we had the things. You know, we had the big pool, the big house and the pool and the things. Mm-hmm. But I was miserable as hell because I'd followed other people's prescriptions for what my life should be. Sure. You know, I was a white... Church of England raised, good middle-class girl who followed that prescription of you go, you know, you go to high school, you'd go to university, you get a job, you meet somebody, you get, you know. I'm with you 100%. I followed all of that and I was miserable and I got sick. And then I started to listen to my internal truth and my whole life has changed. And it has been the best thing ever. Yes, it's been painful because ripping apart, you know, your life and a marriage and all of that kind of stuff is is less than easy. Um, but every step of the way I've started listening more and more to what my soul needs and wants to live the best life it can. 
I like so, that. Yeah. yeah I like that. <laughs> do a lot of the real quick, do, do a lot of your clients kind of gone through the same path? Because I was exactly just like, that's what I was engraved on, ingrained on my life was that, you know, go to school, go even go to further school, you'll get a better job, then you'll meet somebody, have kids, you'll work your whatever X amount of years until you retire, then do whatever you want to. And, yeah. You know, and, and I'm, I'm still doing that. Don't get me wrong. But I want this was when the pandemic hit. I wanted to start something like this and take a chance on something. And this is I felt like it was one of the first things starting this podcast is what did it for mm. me. But yeah. yeah. But do you feel like some most of your clients have gone down a path like that similar to yours or they're just completely just like you said, they sought out every help they can get and they just haven't found it. And they just kind of reach out to you then or what, what do you think? Lots of people come in different ways. Oftentimes kinesiology is one of the last things that people look at because it's woo-woo and out there and all of this kind of stuff and people don't understand how powerful it is. You know, it is based in Western science as well as Eastern wisdom. Right. Um, and that's what I love about it is, is it does look at the whole body, that whole 100%, not just the 4% of the physical. We're not just looking at what symptoms are there. We're looking at what the root cause of those symptoms are. So I do have a lot of people who have complex trauma come through. So whether that's been abuses or, um, you know, just different big traumatic events. Um, a lot of my clients have had some form of, um, complex trauma in their life. And also a lot of them are just feeling really stuck and uninspired and life actually shouldn't be dull and uninspiring. It's pretty yeah. bloody magical. I agree. Um, and people have lost that and they feel like life should be giving them more than what they're getting. And so for me, I sort of see my job as holding other people, holding the light for other people until they can manage to see the light within themselves, because all of us have that God source within us, that pure peace and love and joy and happiness and all of that. It just gets covered over with the shit of life. And so I agree, I agree. <laughs> my job is to kind of hold, hold space for them as we clear some of that off and, you know, and, and rediscover who they are. Mm. Amanda, I think we should take it home on that right there. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, wonderful chatting um, to you. If people want to find you and find the book and all that stuff, uh, plug it away and all that good stuff. Yeah, so um, I am actually on um, Kindle Store now, which is very exciting. Um, I'm going to be <laughs> – I actually have two titles for my book. Um, there is the mainly marketed one, which is called Divine Messy Human, but the t I couldn't not um, also launch it with, um, with my working title, which is a little bit rude. Um, it's Don't Let That – You can say it. Don't Let That Cunt Steal Your Bricks. <laughs> Um, so that's the other title for the book. Um, and they're both available on Kindle store. Um, I'm also at www.amandakate.com.au. Um, I'm on Facebook at Amanda Kate Transformation. I'm on Insta. I've just started on TikTok because, you know, I'm getting a bit bored with Facebook. Um, and yeah. that's at Divinely Messy. Um, so yeah, so all over the place. Are you, are you doing <laughs> but all of the links are on my website. Are you doing so. the dances on TikTok? Oh hell no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that coordinated. Uh, no. <laughs> I'll leave that to the young kids. <laughs> uh, that's that's what I'm doing too. I don't have TikTok, but that's all I hear about. It's just dances and stuff. But I, I think it's yeah. down too. So anyway. Yeah. Um, awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Chris. Well, no, so thank good to you. Chat thank to you. you. This was great. Um, anything else you want to say before we uh, call it? No, just thank you so much. <laughs> All right, we're out of here, everyone. Be good to yourself.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 